Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Warm Fantasy Sports Radio. I'm your host, Anthony Aniano. It is a Wednesday night, January 28th of 2015, our last episode of January. I want to thank everybody for listening, whether listening live on Blog Talk Radio or on demand, either on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes. I want to remind everybody, phone lines are open all night long, 347-838-8088. That's 347-838-8088. And follow us on Facebook at War Room Fantasy Sports Radio or Twitter at War Room Radio. Don't forget, check out all our sponsors you see scrolling across the screen. And we're going to have guests from uh, one of those sponsors here this evening. You can follow uh, my writings on rotogalaxy.com, starting pitching rankings. First edition baseball, uh, fantasy baseball rankings are up. We're going to have up by tomorrow, I'll have up my uh, bust-out players. Five or six players who I think are going to really explode on the fantasy baseball scenes, scene this upcoming 2015 season. You'll also be able to follow, check out our other sponsors there, rotoballer.com, and excited to have them on as a guest tonight. Raphael Rab from rotoballer.com will be talking about the site and talking some fantasy baseball with us. So he should be joining us in just a few minutes, so that'll be uh, a lot of fun there as well. Steel Scorpion Sports as well one of the sponsors of War Room Fantasy Sports Radio, so make sure you check out all of that great stuff going on right over there. A lot going on. Big show tonight. Like I said, Raphael Rab, rotoballer.com. He's going to be joining us in just a matter of minutes, uh, and we're going to talk a lot of fantasy baseball with him. Before we get to that, my thoughts uh, real quick. This is Super Bowl week. We don't really spend a lot of time talking fantasy uh, well, it's playoff football, I should say. We're primarily a fantasy sports show. But just real quick on the Super Bowl, I predict it's going to be a terrific game. I mean, how often do we see two number one seeds? That doesn't seem to happen that often. Either the number one seed gets into a little bit of funk, there's some type of upset, and we almost saw the upset last week with Green Bay over Seattle in Seattle until the miracle comeback. But um, I think a terrific game comes down to that Tom Brady-led offense. Seahawks defense, can Russell Wilson do enough? You know, it's amazing to me that Seahawks offense, I look at it as Russell Wilson's a nice quarterback. Marshall Lynch is a beast. I get that. Nothing there that goes, ooh, I'm scared of that offense, though. But they always seem to put up enough. And, uh, you know, whether in Arizona shouldn't be an issue. Katy Perry singing will be an issue, but I digress. Uh, I predict Seahawks victory, low scoring, let's say 2013, 2017, in that type of range. I think the Seahawks defense is that good, and uh, it's able to keep uh, Brady off the board. I don't think LeGarrette Blount, Stephen Ridley, Jonas Gray, whoever, Bolden, whoever runs the ball for New England, will have any type of impact. So really it comes down to, will Brady be able to throw the ball? I don't expect Edelman or Brandon LaFell to do much. So really, to me now, it's, it's Gronkowski. Can Gronkowski do enough? To, can he put up enough to allow Brady to get the ball in the end zone? I don't think he will. Uh, I think... Seattle wins by six, three, six points would be my prediction. But let's get to the fantasy baseball, because that's what we're going to talk about here for the next well, little bit. 
Uh, joining us via, via the telephone is uh, a friend of mine uh, through the fantasy sports industry, Mr. Raphael Rab. Raphael from RotoBaller.com. It's been a while, my friend. Anthony Aniano here. How you doing, Raph? Excellent, my friend. Glad to be talking baseball again. How is everything with you? Everything is good, and, and I couldn't agree more. I know some people think I'm crazy, but to me, fantasy football is just a filler until fantasy baseball starts. I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, as always, thanks for coming on. It seems we get you on once or twice every baseball season. So uh, I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us again. Let's, uh, let's yeah, get No problem. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, before we get to all the baseball, I'm actually on your site, rotoballer.com. And, and maybe it's new to me. Maybe, maybe I never noticed it before. But have there been some changes to the site a little bit? Like I'm sitting here, there's a baseball chat room going on there now. What's going on with rotoballer.com? Yeah, thanks for asking. We have definitely been on an you know within an ongoing evolution since since we launched the site a few years ago. But right now we have one of the largest uh, fantasy chat communities that you can go in. We have it you know segmented by sports. So during the NFL season, there was a lot of fantasy football chat. We have NBA chat rooms and of course MLB chat rooms, which is what we started with a few years ago. So uh, in addition to that, we're also you know touting a little more our premium services like our draft kits and a few of our other. Uh, DFS subscriptions, so there's a lot of good stuff going on at Rotoballer, and but the truth is, there's so much free content every single day that it's just uh, you know a place to check it out if you need to catch up on your MLB news. So, so let me get this straight. So there are there's your basic site, and then there's the premium where you would be able to yeah. get uh, a little bit more information. Is that what you got going on there? There's actually something really special we're doing this year as part of the premium package. So, yes, uh, we have a preseason like, draft kit premium uh, package, which is just for the preseason. You get a bunch of extra uh, draft, draft kit kind of analysis tools as well as widgets on our site that are uh, just available to the premium subscribers, an ADP widget. And uh, there's also something great that we're doing, which is an expert chat, which is an exclusive chat room just for premium members. So there's our main chat room where hundreds of our, our members are always in. But we're going to have more, uh, you know, specific kind of group chats for premium members so they'll have a little more opportunity to get long-winded answers and get a little more drilled down into what, what they need. So this is a new feature, and we're going to have one of those chats once a week for premium members during the whole season. And we're going to see how that works. So we're giving a few things a try this year, and we, we're doing it a lot on demand. And, you know, a lot of uh, our, uh, our subscribers have told us that this is what they want. So we're trying to give the people what they need. Excellent. I am uh, when, my, when I finish here, I'm definitely going to go and, and check this out. And I like the I love the idea of the chat because, like you and I just said, nothing more fun than talking baseball, fantasy baseball. So uh, I yeah. may chime in just so uh, just so I have some people to talk to baseball with. I, I love love the idea. Uh, so good for you guys, terrific stuff. But let's get to the fun stuff now. Um, yes. Fantasy baseball, it's to me, it's here, right? We're we're a few days from February. Uh, people should now start setting their dates, whether they do the draft, the auction, in person, online, however you do it. You know, dates need to get set. Now, I follow um, just a, about two weeks ago in Vegas at the Fantasy Sports Convention, FSTA Awards. Uh, they did hold an online uh, draft, the, the premier mock draft of the season, uh, rtsports.com slash SiriusXM. And, Raph, I want to throw out you the first couple of picks. And when you 
here's something you disagree with, here's something maybe a little crazy, by all means, jump in, interrupt me, tell me what you like, you don't like, all right, a little game we're going to play here. So here we go. I won't say who drafted them. I'm just going to go number the names. Standard 5x5 five five, uh, uh, league this was. Nothing crazy in the scoring system. Mike Trout went number one. I don't think anybody's going to debate that. Sure. Andrew McCutcheon went two. Okay. Jose Abreu, three. That's, Goldschmidt, uh, four. Okay, okay, okay. So you, you, Jose Abreu at three. What did you say? Yeah, Jose Abreu is a little rich for my blood at three overall. Sorry, I'll let you continue. We can go over some of these more unless you want me to, to chime in as you go along. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, read, I'll, re- I'll read through the next, and then you let me know what you think. So Abreu at three, Goldschmidt at four, Kershaw at five, Giancarlo Stanton six. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there because then we'll talk about the back end of the first round in a minute. That's your okay. top six. Your thoughts? Well, it's a very, it's all pretty pedestrian until you, you know, there's some, some things up for debate. I really think the red flag there is Jose uh, Dariel Abreu. I believe he's being referred to this year. So, I mean, look, the guy is a monster. He's a pure hitter. He passes every eyeball test as well as the sabermetric test. But it's still one of those things where he did get injured last year. He's only been in the majors one year. There could be adjustments. And you're paying for what he did last year. Yes, you're also getting a tremendous skill set, but there are guys that, you know, before a, third, a number three overall, I would be probably banking on track record for a little bit more at that position. That's all I'm saying. You know, I, I to me, I agree. I would have pushed him back a little bit. I'm shocked that John Carlos Stanton at six. Yeah. For me, in this day and age of baseball, where power is is it's gone. I don't want to I mean I shouldn't say it's gone, but it's not like it was 10 years ago, you know, when 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 we were staying up late and watching, you know, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds hit 70 home runs. So here's Stanton and he's sitting there at 6, and I don't think anybody can argue with me that he's it when it comes to power hitters in this day and age. He's the premier, the most consistent guy, the best guy to go 30 to 40 home runs every year. I mean, what was the number? 11 players last year hit over 30 home runs, with number 11 being, of all people, Lucas Duda. So, so here's Stanton. I mean, am I crazy in thinking he's number two after Trout? No, you're not. Actually, you know, when you look at, like, fantasy pros, uh, John Carlos Stanton is going number three. That's pretty much the consensus there. You know, the NFBC is like two. So, yeah, this year it seems like the shift has gone from Miguel Cabrera, who was a, a Absolute no question, number one, two with Trout last year. Injuries have held him back. And now we have a, someone new emerged. But Cutchin's always going to be there at three or four in that argument. He's consistent. He's MVP level. But Giancarlo Stanton, like you said, it's once-in-a-lifetime talent of power in a day and age where there's no steroids. I mean, he's just a, a wondrous beast to watch. He really is. Tremendous power. So that's irreplaceable. Yeah, and, and, I agree with you. And I think his lineup this year is actually better. Yelich and Azumna are a year older. You got you got Morse and D Gordon. You got D Gordon at the top of that lineup. I uh, I I just think there's more opportunity even for him to maybe even drive in more runs. Now the other issue I have, and this might be my own personal preference, is Clayton Kershaw at five. Uh, personally, I I will probably never own Clayton Kershaw because I will never draft a pitcher in the first round, especially at five. I think in this day and age, there's so much pitching later on 
30-some-odd pitches last year, had under a 3 ERA with injured guys and young guys who are going to continue getting better. That number might even go up this year. Uh, uh, Kershaw, number five, are you in favor of it, or are you like me, you shying away from that first-round pitcher? I knew I liked you from the very first day we met. We are so alike. <laughs> I have never owned Clayton Kershaw. We'll never own Clayton Kershaw. Not that I don't enjoy watching him pitch. Uh, I do, but not for my team because I'm not going to pay first-round value for him. So at the end of the day, uh, I personally, and this may sound arrogant, I think I'm always good enough that I can find value a little later in the draft. doesn't mean I won't try to get one or two pitchers within the first seven rounds perhaps, but I'm certainly, mm-hmm. without any question, not drafting Clayton Kershaw in the first round. It's too risky. A pitcher in the first round is too risky for me. That's it. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm, I look at this draft, right? You've got Johnny Sueto went in round four, Jordan Zimmerman in round four, Corey Gluber in round four, Scherzer, Granke. Those were all fourth-round picks. I will happily take one of those guys to be the ace of my fantasy staff and go first three rounds and get some, some bashers there. What do you think? It's funny you say that. Uh, the last two years, the, the earliest I took a pitcher was a fourth and sixth round. And that pitcher, both years, the anchor of my staff was uh, Matt Scherzer. Sixth round two years ago, fourth round last year. I still felt it was great value. And I just didn't have to draft a number one pitcher until that point, and he was a number one pitcher. So it's, it's, he's not going to be there this year at that point. But the, the fact is that in the fourth round, the Jordan Zimmerman, he's also been on my team the last couple of years. These are the guys that I'll take as an eighth, quote-unquote, and listen, Jordan Zimmerman had his career strikeout year last year. So there's guys that you just need to target that you know are stable that will emerge, but don't pay first round value for a pitcher. Uh, I mean, it's just it's a little crazy to me. You know, that, right? That, I, those ligaments tear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Last year proved it. That's for sure. You know, and, and it's funny. You know, you talked about guys you could take a flyer on or guys you could find. I mean, there were players last year I found late or off the off the waiver wire who were. Very, very good. Guys like a Tyson Ross, Jake Aredia of Chicago. I mean, just a couple of names right off the bat that, you know, Danny Duffy of the Royals. There we go. An afterthought on draft day, and here they come, a sub-3 ERA, a good strikeout rate. Now, rule number one, don't chase wins. You're going to say, oh, Tyson Ross only gave me 12 wins. Okay, you know, but, but that's so arbitrary that, you know, it, to me, it's a meaningless stat almost. These are guys who you could have plucked off a waiver wire in May and, and rolled with them with no problem whatsoever, Raph. Absolutely. I agree with you. There, there are a lot of guys like that around the league. And more often than not, starting pitchers will emerge off the waiver wire than, you know, a, a solid, really good pitcher that someone you could keep around rather than throw back to the waiver wire than the hitter. The hitters are way more rare. A few of those, a handful mm-hmm. come along every year, but there's probably a dozen pitchers that emerge every year off the waiver wire like that. So you just have to be patient and shrewd, I think. That's the key. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, let's go through the rest of the first round here and, and see what you thought. So we stopped at number six with John Carlos Stanton. Anthony Rizzo went seven. Carlos Gomez, eight. Miggy Cabrera, nine. Adam Jones, ten, who I love his value at ten. I think he's super underrated. Uh, Felix Hernandez, 11, Robbie Cano, 12, and then Jose Bautista at number 13. Some heads, uh, some eyeballs rolled a little bit. Anthony Rizzo at number 7, super talented kid. Is that too soon for Anthony Rizzo, in your opinion? 
Yeah, he's another guy that I owned last year on one of my teams. I traded him late in the year. I was trying to make a run. But he's a, he's a fabulous emerging player. But are you really going to tell me that he's gone into first-round guaranteed value? That's what we hope. I mean, his numbers last year were good, but that's what we hope he's going to be again this year. There's no guarantees right now. He is pedigree talent, but I think early second round is more comfort zone for me for a player like that. Even that would be the best I would ever assume to draft him. So he's probably similar to Clayton Kershaw, but of hitters. I love the guy, but I'm not going to pay that much for a first baseman, uh, you know, really that early in the draft without a track record. Yeah. Too early. I agree. I mean, he's averaged 79 in the RBIs the last two seasons. I need to see at least 90 with my first-round pick. But what's interesting is the, 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 the team that drafted Anthony Rizzo in the second round took Josh Donaldson. And for me, Josh Donaldson's a guy with the move to Toronto, a right-handed power-hitting uh, park dream for him. To me, he's a, I, I think he gets away with Rizzo because of Donaldson in the second round. Donaldson is the number one third baseman on my board and, and a first-round value. So he might have gotten away with something there. Yeah, I mean, Donaldson is definitely the kind of guy that I project upward mobility for, just like almost every expert in, in the industry. But the thing is, he already had a great year in terms of the power production last year. So it's just like I, the, mar, the, the marginal room for improvement in what he did from last year to this year, there is room. But it's, I don't know if it's enough to, to always put someone that far ahead. So – I'm still skeptical to see Josh Donaldson, you know, go into that kind of a park and, and really hopefully not try over try to swing for the fence and just do what he does, let the ball travel. Yes, he could easily put up a 40 home run season. He's capable. That lineup will offer protection. That park offers amazing factors. So I like him, but I also probably will not own him because people will be overdrafting him, I believe, this year a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Now, what are your thoughts on the Miggy Cabrera situation, right? People are down on him. He went uh, ninth overall in this expert draft. The, 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 the ankle, the bone spurs, the surgery, he's due for a reexamination mid-February, which is knocking on the door of spring training. And as good as he was last year, the numbers were a significant drop across the board from 2013 is is Miggy Cabrera a, a a nervous nervously made first round pick I think that he to be honest with you is a more secure first round pick than a couple of the other guys we just spoke about so if you want to talk about my style of drafting it's always going to be that I'll take the veteran who's hopefully not injured that's always the key so the, the, the question with him is really just health I believe even if you take him at 80% of the 2013 numbers or 70% of those, you're still getting at least a late-round, first-round value. So I believe with the upside that he presents as well, being that he's one of the best hitters of the generation, certainly uh, he's worth it at that point. He has not shown enough decline that he's not a first-round, in my opinion. Is he still a top five? Did he go too late at nine? I believe that's a little too late. Whoever got him at nine got a really good value there. That's my personal opinion on that. I, I think he, he's going top six, five, six. I, I believe that that's where he's going. I mean, that seems to me like people who, who want the secure value are going to take him at five or six. And, you know, the Fantasy Pros uh, site is showing him at six overall, NFBC fifth. These are the kinds of players that want <laughs> the expert kind of decision. Miguel Cabrera has a track record like no one else. So if you want to pay for something like that, he's the best guy in the business to do it with. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I understand, but I, I look at the numbers, and I see a 35-point decline in batting average. I see 19 less home runs. I see 18 less RBIs, and I see 32 years old and ankle surgery. Those so, things are all, yeah, I agree. Yeah, go ahead. They're factors. No, they're factors, but, you know, they're, they're, if you compare them to the best season, you know, one of the best seasons ever, or really like Miguel Cabrera in his prime is, is never going to be, no one's going to be like that, hopefully, that we're going to see anytime too soon. I don't think so, unless PDs are reintroduced. He was that good. So you can't even compare <laughs> him to that. You just can't compare him to that even. So now he's like mm-hmm. a normal human being again, and I believe he's still a top. Yeah, I think he's a top six draft pick this year. I don't know if I would ninth, – ninth overall, I want to play in that league. I would love to take him in ninth <laughs> overall. That's my honest opinion. So when you say top six, I'm saying Trout, McCutcheon, Goldschmidt, John Carlos Stanton, all before Miggy Cabrera, in your opinion? I think that's fair. I think one of the things is that I'm always pushing Kershaw out of that range. So, like, there's always room to slide someone else in there. You know what I mean? And mm. and so th- that's why Miggy has that chance. Yes, those guys are going in front of Miggy because they're younger with more upside and some track record. But right after there, there's a, there's a lot of debate for the first round, I think. And who better than to slide in than, you know, I still think he's the king that, that needs to be dethroned. I want to see a full season of healthy – Miguel Cabrera this year. If we do, I'll be surprised if he doesn't produce first-round numbers. Yeah, for me, as I look at my board, uh, I debate with him at five or six. You know, I look at Trout. I look at Stanton as my number two. McCutcheon as my three. Goldschmidt as my four. My five or six comes down to the younger, and not that much younger if you really think about it. He is 28 years old. Jose Abreu or Miguel Cabrera, one of them, i got to make that decision, one of them is going to be my number five. Because uh, like you, I take Kershaw off my board. He's not even on my list because uh, I'm not interested in him whatsoever, to be honest with you. By the way, do you have verification that Jose Abreu is definitely less than 30 years old? Cause <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. <laughs> I don't know. What, uh, you know That birth certificate is questionable, as uh, some people would think the president's is. So <laughs> who really knows? That's a valid right away here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's as valid for all you conspiracy theorists. Man, oh, man, you could have some fun with the uh, Abreu birth certificate as well. Donald Trump right now is licking his chops. But, um... <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Rep. Moving off, <laughs> moving off the first round just for a little bit. I've got some names out here, and I want to start with one who was a first round, was a short bet first round pick last year, and he greatly disappointed. I think everybody jumped all over Bryce Harper last year in the first round. You know, the second coming, everybody fell in love with him, and deservedly so. The hype was through the roof on this kid. He came across with a nice little 2013 where he hit the 20 omens, 58 RBIs. Last year could not have gone worse for him. 13 omens, 32 RBIs, stole two bases. The broken thumb. He just seemed to be banged up at all times. And it's funny. You hear people talk about him casually, and he's already getting the bust label. The bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. He's a 22-year-old pure power hitter um, who's suffered through some injuries. Where are you investing in Bryce Harper? Because to me, if you want him, I think you're going to have to go earlier 
than his numbers suggest. Because there's going to be one or two other people in your draft room who want him just as bad as you do. What do you think about Bryce Harper? Yeah, I'm a little tiny bit of a fanboy, I have to admit. And uh, Rotoballer co-founders Alex Roberts and Uncle Leo are the opposite. They hate him. I drafted him in the second round last year and paid the price. But I will say this, uh, you know, his best season to date, we'll just talk about Bryce Harper for a moment, about him, not everyone else, because he had his best season at age 20. Uh, You know, he had 22 home runs, uh, 18 stolen bases, 98 runs. Uh, this is a guy who has limitless pedigree and limitless potential. He just needs to, you know, he's always going to drive the, the car fast, I like to say. He just needs to learn how not to crash it. So this is the kind of guy that has upward mobility for centuries. Just keep keep taking a chance on him year after year. Maybe by the time he's 27, I'll tell you it's a bust. But for now, until I don't see a full season out of Bryce Harper, he's not a bust to me. And so I will keep investing probably second-round value. I don't know if I'll get him there. But that's where Bryce Harper would be for me in my rankings, early second round even. I agree. I think if you want him, you have to go get him there. He's not going to last to the third round if you you could be cute and wait for him. But let's talk about now, who would you rather? Let's play the who would you rather game. We used to play it in high school, but with different categories. (laughs) Who would you rather draft in the second round, a Bryce Harper or another lightning rod of conversation, Yasiel Puig of the Dodgers? Uh, for all the hype Puig got, I thought he underperformed a little bit last year as well. Everybody loves his upside. Matt Kemp is gone, really making Puig the centerpiece there. You know, last year, 16 homers, 69 RBIs, 11 stolen bases. He hasn't reached his potential, only 24 years old. Second round, I don't know, let's say pick 15. They're both on the board. Where are you going? Yeah, I, I think that this is going to sound strange. Outfield, elite outfield is thinner than people think it is. I mean, there's some guys, but there's also a lot of injury prone. There's a lot of unproven. Uh, you mentioned Adam Jones before, uh, who you love, who I love too, who's undervalued, still underrated. I don't know how people don't give him respect. But guys like Puig are not my cup of tea just yet. I mean, he had a bit of a situation there last year with playing time, just not literally for himself being challenged, but it was a mental, it took a mental toll on him, these other superstars being there. I think, he can have a nice emergence at, to what people thought he was going to do last year where he didn't do it. So he's a guy you could invest in second-round value, very similarly to Harper, but they have yet to show the elite outfielder uh, potential that makes them a second-round value. So you're kind of paying for projections here, and hopefully you get them, mm-hmm. truthfully. Yeah, you know, Puig is going to be an interesting case. He was banged up, had some thumb injuries. And, you know, it's funny. Everybody in fantasy baseball, they look at, you know, the stats that count the batting average, the home runs, the RBIs. You know, there were things about Puig. I know, I know he's not probably the sharpest tool on the field. He doesn't know how to run the bases to save his life. But you know what? He walked more. He struck out less. Okay? He, he swung at fewer pitches outside of the zone. So he did show what I like to call improvement in the maturity stats yeah. in terms of, uh, of controlling himself and, uh, and, and long-term, that bodes well for him. But uh, I just think they're both interesting players. It's going to be almost impossible if you wanted them both to get them because I think they're going to go very close to each other in the second round. Um, but there are, uh, there are other guys who were banged up, and I'm going to throw a few of them out, out there to you, and I'll let you run with, with all of them and, and get your feel for them. Jay Bruce and Joey Votto, the two cornerstones for the Cincinnati Reds, Votto was a first, second-round pick last year. 
Bruce people expected 30 home runs out of. Shinsu Chu, everybody thought big things of him going out of Texas. You get the 20 homers, the 20 steals type of player. A lot of runs scored, leading batting in the top of that Ranger lineup. None of it worked out, and you've seen him plummet in drafts because of it. And David Wright, at one time, probably the first third baseman or second third baseman off the board. He's now, in some views, barely a top 10 third baseman. Those are the four names, guys who disappointed mightily, whether performance, injury, or both. I'll stop talking and let you talk your thoughts on those four guys. All right. Well, basically, let me give you the Cincinnati Reds rundown. Uh, Joey Votto, to me, was a couple years ago, like, cream of the crop first baseman. He's been on a power decline since 2011. He only played uh, 111 games in 2012 and 62 games last year. So that's really not a good track record over the last few years. Sounds like Josh Hamilton's status to me. And his isolated power has been dipping below 200 the past two seasons. So he's clearly on a decline that is proven in his ability to stay on the field and, and other, his actual numbers. Now, Jay Bruce, on the other hand, entering his age 28 season, uh, it's the first time he ever hit less than 20 home runs in a full season was last year, but he did actually give owners 12 steals. So that's a little bonus. And listen, he's the kind of guy that left-handed power in that park is going to play. He has a proven track record of being a 30-home run guy, pedigree player, been in the majors forever, even though he's only 28. Um, love him for a rebound, and uh, you know I think that he could be one of the sleepers again. Even though people overpaid last year, he's going to drop in, in drafts, and he's a guy to target, in my opinion. Delphi, he's going to be good. Since uh, Chu is also, you know, he, he should have been better last year, too. There's a lot of hype. You know, he can't hit lefties. There's a few problems with him in general. Overall, if the lineup around him is better in Texas and he could stay healthy for a full season, you're going to see nice production uh, way better than we saw last year. So he's definitely, you know, he was trending up in drafts over the last few years. People kept paying more and more and more for him. The hype kept building. Now he's going to be mm-hmm. close type on that, and he'll be way, way better off this year. So if you like upside, since you choose the kind of guy that you could look for, in, in, you know, after the third outfielder is taken. Uh, on your team. So these are the kind of players. Uh, I'm sorry, who's the last player you mentioned there, too? One, one of our guys, David Wright. David Wright. Oh, boy. I have some feelings that I won't say about that because I have my suspicions, but let's just say that they can keep moving the fences in and in at City Field. I'm not sure <laughs> he's ever going to give Mets fans anything more than the beautiful face that he is. Now, he's a wonderful, wonderful franchise beat, but he's not going to be a cornerstone power hitter. Lucas Duda is better at that. Now, he just needs to play good defense and, you know, stay on the field, hit 300, and you should not expect him to be a, even a 25-home run guy anymore. It's out of the question for him, in my opinion. So, you know, he's, he's definitely on the decline. There's no question about that. He should not be in the discussion for top five at the position, but he could be a value in the later rounds if people are that slow to react in your draft and he's still there and you need a third baseman. You can get value. Just don't look for 25 home runs at end because you'll be disappointed. I agree. I think I think if David Wright gives the Mets, and if I'm correct, you're a Mets fan as well. Am I correct on that? Everyone I know is. I'm actually a Yankees fan, but I, I you know, I'm from New York, oh. so I love the Mets as well. They're in my soul. They're in my okay. Heart. I'm not like the other Yankees. I got gotcha. you. I mean, I think if David Wright gives you 280, 15 homers, and 80 RBIs, I think it's a good season for him. My view of David yeah. Wright has always been his best season was when he was surrounded by Jose Reyes, Carlos Beltran, Carlos Delgado, and other uh, uh, centerpiece-type players. And in, his, in a peripheral role, 
David Wright was able to excel. As soon as David Wright became the guy, he he was never able to live up that to that hype. And you're right. I think Duda has to hit the 30 home runs. I think other pieces have to be in place and let David Wright be 280, 15 to 20 homers, 80 RBIs, and have a nice season and be a good third baseman. But a great third baseman is something uh, uh, you won't see. Well, then let's talk, though. You mentioned your Yankees. Do you expect any type of – I want to talk two pitchers on the Yankees now. Uh, First off, your former ace, CeCe Sabathia. Is there any value left there, or is he as done as he looked last year from a fantasy perspective? Unless you're playing in a league, like an AL-only league, or a really deep mixed league, like 15 teams or more, I really – he's not the kind of guy – excuse me – that I even would target as a sleeper value pick. He's on the wrong side of 30, put on way too many innings, and, uh, you know, he's just hes kind of past the point of, of reclaiming. Could he be functional for the Yankees as just a, a guy in the rotation? Absolutely, yes. But those are not fantasy-relevant numbers. Those are more workhorse, give me 200 innings with a low four ERA kind of numbers. Uh, so that you know, I would not—I would not be really high on him. His K rate is probably still there when he's pitching, but you know, it gives up a lot of home runs these days, and that's just too volatile mm-hmm. in the environment that he pitches in. Yeah, the the the, uh, the velocity is way down. Tough to regain that velocity. Similar to Justin Verlander, I think Verlander goes before Sabathia. I I would still take Verlander in a mixed league, but I would take him late. Uh, once the velocity goes, it's very difficult, almost impossible, to get that back. You know, and it's funny. We talk about these veteran stars like Verlander, Sabathia. I'll throw Matt Cain into the, combina- the, into the conversation as well. Veteran guys, name guys. But we've seen it now a couple of years in a row. I'd rather take a flyer on the young kid. Some of the kids we mentioned, the Tyson Rosses, the Danny Duffys of the world, than, than the risk of these aging big contract guys who are now on the decline, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that we need to remember to live in, in the present and we need to do our homework and read, listen to podcasts and, and broadcasts like this and read up on all your articles because last year's players' stats could surprise you. Sometimes there's guys emerging when you're not watching. They're on other people's teams. I mean, you notice you play in fantasy baseball leagues, you play in a few leagues, you get kind of a kick on your guys. You Doing your homework is the most important thing. So, you know, in general, there's a lot of guys that can be found with value. We, we, we list tons of sleepers, waiver wire articles that come out every single day. So this is an ongoing thing with baseball. Uh, it's very fluid throughout the season. A lot of emerging talent. I agree. Before we, before we wrap up for the evening, here's my, my final thought, and we'll see where this conversation leads us. Would you rather take a flyer – on one of the Tommy John returning starters, and, and one of the, the, top, the some of the top ones, the Harveys, the Jose Fernandezes, uh, maybe Patrick Corbin, Chris Medlin, uh, to a lesser extent. Would you rather that, where you know they've had the surgery, or would you rather, going back to your Yankees, the, the Tanakas, where that's actually more uncharted territory now, the rehabbed elbow. You know, you've got to make that sixth, seventh round pick on a starting pitcher. Where are you going? The guy who didn't pitch all year and had the surgery or the guy who missed the chunk? And who knows what's going to happen with that elbow in Tanaka? What, what are your views on the elbow pitchers, as I like to refer to them? I was victimized heavily last year. I had Tanaka and Fernandez on one of my teams, actually on two of my teams, P 
be honest with you. Ooh. So you can imagine how, how that made me feel. I still finished in third place. But, but here's the point. I'm not talking about my teams. Masahiro Tanaka, uh, you can draft him this year. He's going like 107th overall, 39th pitcher off the board. That's really on the decline from what, if he's in full health status, he would be really half of that in ADP value. So mm-hmm. is he a good value? Yes. Is he bound to blow with his elbow out? Very possibly. So question is, how much are you going to get out of him? 50 innings, 100 innings, 20 innings? Uh, you know, spring training, he could blow out his elbow. So I'm very skeptical now based on my experiences from last year, which is why I brought that up. If I know that there's even a tiny bit of predisposition, I'm looking to avoid it like the plague. And this is clearly red flag. You know, this is like a potential for disaster. So, you know, he may not cost as much as he did last year, but he's going to cost you when he blows out his elbow. <laughs> the question is that, right? You want that risk. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm looking on the uh, on the expert league, but he went in the 10th round. And, I mean, just when you see the names, and these guys are good pitchers, but when healthy, I don't put him in the class of Tanaka. He went with the same round as Tyson Ross, Houston Street, Alex Wood, Steve Ciszek, Doug Fister, Gio Gonzalez. Um, yeah. He went after uh, Cody Allen, Julio Tehran, Mark Melanson. Love Tehran. Uh, Jake Aredia. I like those guys. Tanaka is an ace of baseball, one of the best aces of baseball. Let him just have this Tommy John. They should have done it last year. I mean, I don't want to sound like I know what I'm talking about with medical stuff, but really it's it's pretty obvious to everyone that he's just doing everything he can to avoid this. So, Hopefully we're wrong, and I'd love to be wrong on this. But the fact is is that if you're in a dynasty league, his value is very low. In a redraft league, his value is, is low too, and it's a worthwhile investment, but it's still a risky proposition. I'd rather have a Julio Tehran. I feel like Garrett Richards going way later than him. He has, didn't have time John. He did have another injury, so his value was, was way low. But these guys are good values that could be as good or better and play the whole season. With Tanaka could suffer a fatal injury to, you know, a pitching-specific part of his body. It's not like uh, he's going to break a finger on his left hand, you know, the problem. Right. So is he off your draft board altogether, or where do you say, okay, now he's worth the risk? Right. So it would be irresponsible for me to say he's off my draft board because he didn't, he's not actually recovering from Tom John. Like, Jose Fernandez is not off my draft board, but he's lower than Tanaka, for example. And and so is Harvey. Like, I know they'll be back this year, but it's all up in the air and it's questionable. Tanaka allegedly starts the year healthy. Everything's fine. So, yes, there's a point where he's attainable to me. Is it past the 10th round? 100%. That's the round where if people in a draft sleep on him and we're in the 11th, 12th round, which is doubtful, I will take him at that point. I won't let him slide that far. Gotcha. All right. Makes sense, makes sense. What do you think of your Yankees this year? Because I'll be honest, I've been super critical of them. Um, I think they have the potential to be a very, no, I don't want to say very bad, but a 75-win team type of bad. Uh, I think the Rays will be at the bottom of that division. Am I wrong in seeing the age and the talent on this team? Uh, Do you expect more out of this Yankee team this year? Well, there's a lot of things that could go right, but but I don't think they're going to go right for the Yankees. I don't think Tanaka's going to stay healthy for, for what we just spoke about. I don't think CeCe Sabathia is going to be at all productive. And so I think there's a lot of holes in the pitching, first of all. And then, you know, 
I like that they re-signed Headley. I actually do like that move for them. I just There's a few things with that team that are completely uninspiring, and there's too much controversy going into the season with someone who's not going to contribute, and that's Alex Rodriguez. So uh, right now, Yankees are in a rebuilding phase. Their fans just have to accept that. That's my personal opinion. So, you know, Jeter, he's gone. And and so with that comes an expect you know expectation of a little bit of a downside here for a year or two. So hopefully – it doesn't last too long. I do not expect the Yankees to be a playoff team this year, but I think they'll be competitive in the AL East. That's my opinion. Fair enough. Rap, let me ask you before we before we wrap up, um, where can people find you, Twitter, things like that? Anybody wants to follow what's going on on com? what can they do? Absolutely. We are all over the place. You can follow Rotoballer on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, of course, rotoballer.com. And uh, you can check us out every day and uh, hit up our free chat rooms, check out our free articles, and uh, feel free to send us questions via email or Twitter. We are happy to answer. So, uh, yeah, we're we're very accessible. <laughs> Excellent. We're going to be doing uh, holding a couple of mock drafts in the next few weeks on uh, during the show and whatnot. Um, I'm going to send you a message. Hopefully you'll be able to, if you're available, you'll, you'll be able to participate in a few mocks with us. What do you say? I would love to, man. I do that so much. It's the best way to get ready for the year. I, I recommend it to everyone. So, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, I want to talk again sometime right before the season starts, maybe sometime beginning of March, as drafts are coming up close. And we'll talk about any changes and what we see maybe during spring training, any players who jump off the table at us that maybe we missed tonight. We could do that again sometime in March. Sound good? Absolutely. Can't wait. There should be a lot of updates by then. So looking forward to it. All right, awesome. Raphael, thank you very much. Raphael Rob, rotoballer.com. Check it out, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. One of the best sites out there. Fantasy baseball, football, basketball, they cover it all. Chat rooms, great stuff. Raphael, thanks a lot. Have yourself a good evening, and I'll talk to you real soon, my friend. Thank you so much, buddy. Take care. All right, good night. So that's Raphael Rab from Rotoball.com. Great site. It really is a great site. I have it up now. The chat rooms are terrific. The rankings, they cover everything. It's really grown tremendously, the site. And, uh, and good job. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We've been associated and working with them now for quite a few years. And uh, just great stuff. Rankings, sleepers, all sorts of fun stuff at Rotoballer.com. We've got about 10 minutes or so left in the show. And before I wrap up, there's a few other things I did want to talk about tonight. And that's my view on some players who I like maybe later in a draft as a potential breakout player, right? We talked with Raphael about some of the first-round stuff we saw. We talked about some injured players and his thoughts on players returning from injury or returning to form. Jay Bruce, Joey Votto, Bryce Harper, Shue, David Wright, a couple of the pitchers. And we talked about some of the Tommy John surgery guys. But there are some players who are entering years or entering situations who this if this isn't their year, maybe it never is going to be their year. Talented guys, we've all seen those talented ball players who you kept waiting and waiting and waiting, never took that step. For example, uh, Travis Snyder, who was just traded from the Pirates to the Baltimore Orioles. One of, at one time, one of the top ten prospects in baseball. Turned into a decent platoon player with the Pirates. Good left-handed bat, 13 on runs last year. Well, now he's going to Baltimore. And we've seen in recent years guys like Steven Pearson, Chris Davis, they go to Baltimore, and they, and they kind of find themselves. Is Travis Snyder that next guy? He's going to be given an opportunity to play. We know they lost Mark Hakus. They lost Nelson Cruz. So there's going to be at-bats there 
for, for a player like Travis Snyder. He's going to be given every opportunity. Could be a sneaky outfield play late in the draft. I think a must-own now in AL-only leagues. Sneaky play in, in, in a mixed league late in the draft. Another player who I like a lot this year, and, and at the first base position, which I don't think has as much talent as it has in years past. You know, you're talking about Cabrera, question marks there. Goldschmidt, Abreu, Rizzo, Prince Fielder, Joey Votto with question marks, Edwin Encarnacion, Adrian Gonzalez. And then you get into the Herrick Cosmos and Brandon Belts of the world. Adam Lind. Adam Lind leaving Toronto to go to Milwaukee. Milwaukee ballpark, the ballpark in Milwaukee, second best ballpark according to Bill James statistics, second best ballpark for left-handed power hitters in baseball other than Cincinnati. And here's Adam Lynn. Two years ago, he had 23 homers, 67 RBIs, 288. Last year, in limited at-bats, 321, six homers, 40 RBIs. OPS over 850. You're putting him in a situation where he's going to play. He's the Milwaukee Brewers' first baseman. End of conversation. Carlos Gomez, Ryan Braun, uh, Gene Segura, Scooter Gannett, Aramis Ramirez, Chris Davis, uh, Jonathan Lucroy, a nice little lineup around him. He's going to come and he's going to play first base. You tell me I could get in round 15, 18, 20, somewhere in that range, a guy who could potentially hit 290, 20 homers, 70, 80 RBIs, terrific value. Even better value if you use a corner infield spot. I, I would draft him for that, put him in there, and as long as he stays on the field, which is always questionable with Adam Lind, I love his value. Another player who I like a lot, A.J. Pollock. He's entering that prime age for a baseball player, 27 years old. Okay, 2013, 8 homers, 12 stolen bases, 269. Last season, 302, 7 homers, 14 stolen bases, only 265 at-bats. An on-base percentage of 353, an OPS of 851. That in the top of the lineup, lineup in Arizona, Goldschmidt being the key to that lineup, we all know that. Okay, Yosami Tomez at third base. Decent little lineup there. Pollock at the top of that lineup. If he could double up his at-bats, you give him the 500-plus at-bats if he stays on the field. He's not a superstar. But 12 to 15 homers, 20-plus stolen bases. You like those guys who give you double digits in two different categories. A.J. Pollock could be a nice little find. Okay, when you look at pitchers, I see three starting pitchers this year who I expect to make that next leap. You know, and I talked about it earlier in the show. 30-some-odd pitchers at, at an ERA under three. And now you've got some young kids coming through who can add to that. First is one of my guys, a New York Met, Zach Wheeler, 25 years old. 2013, the year he came up, 7-5, and 342, and 17 starts. Last year, 11-11, 3.54. He's averages just over nine strikeouts per nine innings, 187 total and 185 in 32 starts. Walks are high, 384. Control comes with experience. Year three, I expect the control to be better. It should be better. I expect walks to go down, hits to go down. Those go down, the whip goes down, and now you're looking at a full category guy. The Mets team should be better. He's in a situation, really, where he's going to be their second or third starter with Harvey and DeGrom. 15 wins, an ERA lower by a half a run, let's say three. Terrific upside with Zach Wheeler. Okay? Drew Smiley, the key piece in the, in the trade for David Price. Okay? Drew Smiley was light out after arriving in Tampa. In seven starts for the Rays last year, he had a 1.7 ERA. In five of those seven starts, he had over six strikeouts. On the season, 
He averaged eight strikeouts per nine innings, finished 9-10 and 10 with a 3-2-4 ERA, a whip of 1.16. Here's the thing, though. People say stay away from the AL East. The AL East, offensively, is not what it once was. The Red Sox should be able to hit. Toronto should be able to hit. But Baltimore and the Yankees all have question marks, if you ask me. You've got a lot of guys who will strike out a lot. A high strikeout players there. Drew Smiley's going to face these teams. I like Drew Smiley as a back-of-the-rotation type of starter for your fantasy team. A round 15 to 20 guy. An AL-only star, potentially. All right? Has the potential at 26 years old to bust out. I, I trust, and Tampa's one of those teams pitching-wise that I trust. I trust the Cardinals. I trust the Rays. They produce pitching. He was the key piece to David Price. They know more than I do, that's for sure. If they like him, I like him. That's the way I look at Drew Smiley. If you've been listening to this show for a while, last year you heard me sing the praises of the 26-year-old lefty out of Seattle, James Paxton. Well, I'm going to sing his praises again, because last year, only 13 starts due to injury. 6-4, 3 3.04 ERA. First start of the season, I think he struck out 12 batters. I drafted him in every draft I was in around 18, 19. Everybody said, James who? I said, don't you worry. 12 strikeouts, everybody knew who James Paxton was. Then he got hurt. And it fell apart. But this is a guy who 2013 on a September call-up went 3-0. and He's a 1.5 ERA. Last year, 6-4, and 3.04. Seven strikeouts per nine inning, three and a half walks per nine. In August, during the month of August, when he was healthy, he pitched to a 1.65 ERA. In the minors, he struck out 9.7 batters per nine innings. Everything is there for him if he stays healthy to produce. He's also on a team that should be better, that should be able to provide him more runs. Seattle's made improvements. They've added Nelson Cruz to go with Robbie Cano. Seattle should be able to score runs. This is a team built to win this year. Paxton's going to slide in as their third starter behind King Felix and Amukama. He's going to go third, Taiwan Walker fourth, maybe 4-3, four, 3-4, three, three, four, however it works out. But Paxton's a key piece there. Should win you 12, 13 games. Tough to predict. But if you're getting a strikeout per inning, 175, 200 strikeouts, you sign up for that in a heartbeat. Get it again after round 15. Great value with James Paxton. And finally, my fourth guy, and I don't know if it's a bust out because I think people are going to love him, but it's the closer for the Yankees, Dylan Batantis, assuming he gets the closer role over Andrew Miller. I think it'll go to Batantis. I think Miller will stay in a role he's comfortable, and that's that eighth inning guy like he was last season. The strikeout rate for everybody, you know, I, I'm a big don't reach for closers. I agree 110%. The Kimbrels, the Araldis Chapmans, the Dave Robertsons, others whose names I'm probably forgetting. Dylan Patances is in that type, top five cat, cat, uh, conversation. Okay, he was a beast last year. This year he might actually get less innings. He's not going to go multiple innings. We know that. The Yankees will never allow that. The great Mariano Rivera very rarely went more than one inning. But he's going to pitch for a team that offensively may be challenged. You know the pitchers there are not going to come close to finishing a game. Tanaka, Sabathia, Pineda, too many injury risks there. They won't go nine ever. I'd be shocked if any of them throws a complete game. So the Tans is going to get closing opportunities. It's going to be close games there. They're not offensively the Yankees we grew up watching. Right? Nothing there offensively makes you go, wow. Decent. Got some names. Older names. Whether they produce, we'll have to see. But 13.5 strikeouts per nine innings last year. 
love it. Just love it. It's Kimbrell numbers. It's Chapman numbers. It's Greg Holland numbers. It's Dave Robertson numbers. I'll put them right there with all those guys. Dylan Patances, ERA over between one, one and a half. Should lock up 40 saves if Girardi does the right thing and gives him the role. Might not give him the role in September. They may flip-flop it around a little bit. By the end of the season, Dylan Patances will be closing for the New York Yankees. Give me two strikeouts every inning. I'll take it. He's a great pitcher. Big guy. Powerful guy. Should put up some terrific, terrific numbers. That's for sure. But all right, folks, we are just about out of time here this evening. I want to thank Raphael Rob for joining us from rotoballer.com to share some fantasy baseball knowledge with you. I uh, want to give everybody a heads up. We'll be back next Wednesday, 730. I'll be back with my regular Wednesday night co-host, Mr. Eric Corsini. We'll be talking all things fantasy baseball, as we always do. Maybe talk a little Super Bowl as well. Uh, if anybody likes the sound of my voice, be sure to tune in this Saturday morning, 9 a.m., Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, Sirius 210 XM 87. I will be joining uh, Lenny Milnick uh, on a guest spot from 9 till about 9.15, 9.20. be talking with him, talking a little fantasy baseball breakouts and some injured players who I'm personally going to avoid. So we'll be on the air with Lenny, Sirius 210 XM 87, this Saturday morning. Looking forward to that, as always. Uh, maybe some other appearance there on Sirius over the next couple of days as well. Follow us on Facebook at War Room Fantasy Sports Radio, Twitter at War Room Radio. Check out our sponsors, Steel Scorpion Sports, RotoBaller.com, RotoGalaxy.com. Make sure you check out the articles there. Uh, as always, great stuff going on on all of these sites. Folks, this has been a lot of fun. Have yourself a terrific weekend. Be smart, be safe, enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll see you back here next Wednesday night, War Room Fantasy Sports Radio, 7.30 Eastern Time, here on live and on demand, here on Blog Talk Radio. Have a good night, everybody.